Well, great to be here. Thank you for having me. And just such a great heart that's in this place. And I don't know, you know, sometimes when you are in the midst of something, you don't realize how good it is. And so just coming in and being a part of your worship and meeting with your elders and getting to know more of your pastoral staff, wow, you are really a part of a great church. And that Jesus wants to do great things in our city. And as Matt just said, it's going to take all of us. And so I'm really glad to be here. I really love summer. Is anyone, is anyone a fan of being by the water here? Okay, uh, that, that's me. When the sun comes out, I'm, I'm put me by the water. I feel close to God in the water. I'd be by the water every single day. It's sunny. If basically if the sun is out, I go to my wife and I'm like, are we ready to go to the beach? And some, but I know my wife, she's going, actually, I don't want to go to the beach. I'd like to stay inside, maybe in air conditioning. Is there anyone else like that here? You want to be inside when it's hot out. Okay, so there's some water lovers here. That's great. And I, I don't get it because I'm like, you know what? No, I'm thankful for summer. We don't get much of it here in Vancouver. And basically, talk about air conditioning. Let's go by the water and let the air by the water condition us. How about, how about we do that? And um, it doesn't go. But I'm, I'm really thankful for summer. I'm thankful for what Jesus is doing in our city in our day. And to think about how we could have been put in anywhere in history, anywhere in the world, but God chose to put you and I here, in this city, in this day, for what he wants to do in us and through us. And that's so good. And may you give us a sense of anticipation for what he wants to do in that. And I'm really thankful for your leaders. You know, Pastor Greg has been on our advisory for our church plant for the last year. And just bring such a gift to us, so thank you for lending him and some of his energy to us. Um, City Lights, we're a newer church, and we're going to turn six in September. So our sixth birthday is coming up, and just so, so good. You know, we met with your elders a couple months ago, and chatting with them, and just realized the, the passion and the faith and the love and dedication of those people that are part of this body, that are leading, helping lead this body, that have been here for years, sacrificing, giving, loving, and it's so good. Like the, and the, the wisdom of Pastor Greg, the passion of Debbie, the, the hope and vision of Jonathan, just the warmth of Pastor Matt, I, like when he's up here, don't you feel like his warmth is just oozing? And just thinking, Matt, could, so, could you actually join me and just say thank you to your elders and leaders? And just honor them. It's good. We are going to talk about unity today. And it's interesting. I went down to Portland in February to catch a Warriors game. And I was walking down the street. And I have a picture. And this was on the side of a building in Portland. If we could go to this. Live United. I don't know if you can see in the picture. But actually, I I think it's intentional to create a message. On the corner, one corner says live you. And then United is on the other corner. And I, and I caught this, and I looked at it, and I want to take a picture of this. And as we talk about unity today and being a kingdom family, a family of one, I was thinking about this because you know what? The world is sending us a message, live for you. It's about you. Don't let anyone define you. You define yourself. What are you going to make of yourself? What do you want? Don't let anyone hold you back. Just do it. What makes you happy? Follow your heart. This is the message of our day. Live for you. But when it comes to unity, it's bigger than you and I. It needs all of us. 
that actually we become together a part of something that's bigger than any of us as individuals. It's bigger than you. And so if we're going to talk about unity today, unity needs you and you. It needs all of us that we actually have to recognize I need to be a part of something and in something that is bigger than me. It's not just about me, that I can't live just for me if I'm going to live as a united family, if I'm going to have unity. If you have a Bible or an app, would you open up to Ephesians? Please, I want to talk here. And I'll show a picture of my family here. You can see them. Uh, my, I got two kids, awesome wife, and she's from Sri Lanka. So we got mixed children, which is, and they look awesome with their olive skin, and they tan so quickly. So they're always, they're always beating me. And my son, this just a couple days ago, he was doing basketball, and then he was going bowling. And he, and he was telling me, what are you doing today, Dad? And I, got, I said, oh, I got some responsibilities. I'm preparing to, to speak on Sunday. I said, but your day sounds like awesome. It sounds like a party all day. And he says, well, Dad, why don't you have a responsibility party in the office by yourself? <laughs> so I said, oh, I'll do that. The mind of a child, a responsibility party, hey? Let's just let, go have a responsibility party this, this, this week at work, folks. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 is what I want to focus on today. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, unity, being a family of one, it's hard, isn't it? Because we have differences. Sometimes it's hard to get along. It's hard to like each other. We have different opinions. We want things done differently. Where is our creativity and diversity when it comes to unity? Uh, our world is constantly dividing. Even amongst the church, there's constant division with different streams, different tribes, different denominations. It's division is everywhere. So why is it so hard for us to unite when it's so important to Jesus? Let's talk about this today. So I want to make three comments today. One is that Jesus' work is the foundation of our unity. Two is that the Holy Spirit's work empowers and enables us to build unity. And that thirdly, our work is to maintain, to keep unity. And if I was going to put the big idea into a rhyming phrase, it would be this. Living as a family of one points to the saving son. And so I actually, can we say that? Can we say that together? Living as a family of one points to the saving son. And if you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're visiting, someone dragged you, so glad that you're here. And I think you're going to get some insight into God's invitation into his love today, but not just into relationship with him, but into a relationship with the kingdom family, that he's got a bigger purpose and a bigger community for all of us. Let me pray and we'll dive in. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. Thank you that you want to invite us into unity, which actually is going to lead us to joy. Thank you that you've got steps of faith for us to take. And for some specific people in this room, I just, I just sense and believe that there's steps of faith and obedience that you have for them in this next month, this next season. And as they do it, you're going to show yourself to be so faithful. And you're going to surprise us with what you do in us and through us as we take steps towards you and with you. So even today, come and speak. Speak through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
Ephesians 3, Paul's talking about how God is saving and brings together Jews and Gentiles. And that was the big issue of division in the first century church. The Apostle Paul writes this to Christians in the ancient city of Ephesus. And at that time, they're trying to work through, okay, how do we come together and unite? Because Christianity is, and this following Jesus as the Messiah and more is bursting out of the Jewish people. But then it's an invitation for all people. And so that's good news for all of us because most of us here are not Jews. But how, how do they come together? And in thinking through that, Paul writes, and look at chapter 3, verse 6. I'll read it. He says, This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, with the Jews, one body. Here's the thing. The foundation of our unity is the gospel. It's Jesus' work. Jesus' work is the foundation for our unity. It's not affinity. It's not ethnicity. It's not economic standing. It's not whether we like a certain type of sport. It's not whether we're a hipster or old school. It's Jesus' work. That's the foundation for our unity. And so we can come together, and the reason that we can have unity and have one heart and move forward together is because of Jesus. We all stand on the same foundation. The only foundation that is unshaking, does not change, and does not let us down, the foundation of what Jesus has done. That the good news of Jesus is that Jesus reconciles sinners who believe. That we don't achieve reconciliation or salvation, we receive it as we believe in Jesus who's died the death that we deserve on the cross and risen again in resurrection like we sang about. We believe, and when we believe, we step into right relationship with God, and we're, we're standing on the foundation of the gospel. This is the foundation. This is important because if we try to unite just around affinity or style or personality, it breaks down. It breaks down. We need a deeper foundation and a higher purpose. Uh, has anyone seen Braveheart? Yeah, great movie, old but awesome. And in that, William Wallace goes and he talks about how we need to unite the clans. We need to unite the clans of Scotland because Scotland had been, their, their clans, and they've just been warring against each other and arguing over land and power and these things. He said, we need to unite the clans, though, to be, become like one nation. This is what we need to do. Now, how do a whole bunch of different factions and different clans with different little kings come together and unite as one? Well, there needs to be a higher purpose, a higher purpose than any singular clan. And so they said, you know what the higher purpose at that point was to defeat evil England. And so they, they, and they, and they did. They went through and brought their freedom to, to unite the clans. And for us to unite, we need to have a higher purpose than our singular purposes. We need a deeper foundation. And that's Jesus. It's through the gospel. Then Paul goes on. And he talks about how, and he prays that they're going to receive strength from the Spirit. Verse three, chapter 3, verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So, <clears throat> Paul's talking about how God brings unity through the gospel, through Jesus. Jesus' work is our foundation, but then we need the Spirit to enable us towards unity. 
We need, we need strength from the Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that glorifies Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that enlightens us to the reality that we are walking towards our prideful ignorance and we need to change. It's the Holy Spirit who enacts the victory of Jesus into our life at faith and it's giving us the victory of Jesus and makes us a new creation. And it's the Holy Spirit that grows fruit in us that we can't grow in ourselves. Because if we're going to really unite and get it past each other's differences and our ignorances and our different styles and all of these preferences to really have one heart, we're going to need such deep patience, such long-standing love, and we can't grow that ourselves. That's the work of the Spirit. And that's why Paul says it's the unity of the Spirit. Because we can only get unity by the power of the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. And so if you look at this thing of a visual picture with me, is that Jesus, his work is the foundation, and then the Spirit enables the building. A building goes on a foundation. I'm not very handy at all. I avoid Ikea. But I know, I know that if you're going to have a strong building, you need a good foundation. The foundation is the work of Jesus. The work of the Spirit is the building. So now you and I, what's our role? What's our work? Our role, our work, Paul says, is to maintain the unity of the Spirit. To maintain or keep. That's what he says in Ephesians 4.3. This, this is our work. <clears throat> um, when with our church, we inherited an old church building from the 50s. The church closed down about nine years ago. We got an empty building that was run down. And so no people, no money, no plan, but a, but a building. And, uh, <clears throat> and here's the thing about buildings. You know, they, they, they don't take care of themselves. I, I like... The, so we've had, we've, we had to pre- replace the roof because there was a water leak. We had to replace the front because it was all rotten. We, we, so much stuff has been fixed in this building because buildings just break down if left to themselves. They need to be maintained. Two months ago, we had a break-in. Buildings need to be guarded. And so Paul is saying, you know what we do as Jesus followers? There's a foundation that Jesus has laid, and there's a building of unity that's the work of the Spirit. But you and I you know what we do. We maintain it. We guard it. We keep it. It's like we stand around the building of unity, and we're guarding it and keeping it. And if one of us chooses that, that I don't need to be a part of unity, it's like the, the, the leak in the roof is right where, my, right where I am, and I'm just letting that leak. I'm, I'm just not going to maintain it. So the... The church does things like this, but I don't really like it, so I do it like that. That, how was, this, how was the sermon today? It was all right, but this or that or other. Did you, did you hear what so-and-so said? Man, I can't believe so-and-so just assumes that they do that. So-and-so just talks all of the time. I wish they would just shut up. And like, I, you know what? My, my idea was so good at that meeting, and no one took my idea. I, I think that I should be in charge of this. I wish the music was louder. No, the music should be quieter. I think we should sing more hymns. I wish the style of preaching was like this. I just have an issue with this person. Or we, or we come together, and maybe we did today, we can smile with our face. Our face and our smile is so close, but our heart is actually so far. What is unity of the Spirit? Paul says, chapter 4, verse 3, look at it. There's one body, one spirit. Or, okay, for, verse 3, sorry. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. The bond of peace. 
It's, a, it's relational unity. It's the bond of peace, that we have peace with God, and now we have peace with each other. The unity of the Spirit is a relational unity that we're at peace. Unity is, is, is a wholeness, not multiples, that we have the same heart. We're in it together, and there's relational peace that we have. How do we keep that relational peace? How do we grow that? That means that we choose to honor. It means that we choose to speak life. It means that we don't participate in gossip. It means when someone comes to complain about something, we just upward slant them and redirect it. Man, that person annoys me. You know what I really appreciate about that person, though? And we just redirect them up. Because we're building. We're maintaining. We're not tearing down. I'm I'm not making leaks in the roof of God's unity that Jesus laid a foundation for with his life, death, and resurrection. I'm not doing that. I'm starting guard. You, you don't tear down the leaders of the church. You don't rip a hole in what God's building here. We don't, we don't do that. That's not what we do. But it happens subtly and smallly and little things slipped in. And we forget that unity needs you. That Jesus wants to do something. It needs all of us. One family. Why does this matter? Why, you know, it's like unity is a nice idea. Why does it really matter? You know, I think about Jesus' prayer in John 17. Just Jesus prays this, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I, you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. He said, I pray for unity for all my followers. Why? So the world may believe. When we live as a family of one, it points to the saving son. In John 13, Jesus, talk, Jesus talks about this is how the world will know that you're my disciples. By the way, you love one another. See, the world is to look at a community of people who are so diverse, so unlike each other, across race and economic standing and preferences and musical styles and opinions, across all of that. And they look at these people. How do these people love so deeply, endure so patiently, serve so humbly? are so generous and have won. How does that happen? It only happens because of the foundation of Jesus. There's no other foundation in the world that can bring together diverse people with such unity in one heart. That's Jesus. And so Jesus says, when you come together in unity, this is his prayer. When we're one, when we have this love, then the world looks and they believe that must be because of Jesus. Because nothing else and no one else can do that. And so when we break down unity, when we choose to criticize, when you choose to hold our heart back, because we've been hurt before, because I've gone through it before, because that's not my thing. When we talk about the church like a separate entity or organization that's not part of me. No, we're the church. I'm in this. I'm guarding what Jesus has built on on his foundation of the gospel and what the Spirit's doing. It matters so the world will know. Living as a family of one points to the saving son. How do we do this? Ephesians 4, let me comment on here because I think Paul actually late lies it out, lays it out for us. Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, Ephesians 4.1, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Live a life worthy of the calling. We've got a calling. And a part of that is to display to the world, to point, to point the world to Jesus. As we make disciples, we make disciples in the everyday. He says, then he goes on, be completely humble Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Humility, patience, 
bearing with one another in love. And then he goes on, make every effort to keep the, the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So we, we keep, we guard, we maintain the unity of the Spirit by peace. And how do we grow peace? I think we go back to verse 2. Humility, patience, bearing with one another in love. If we can grow humility, grow patience, and grow bearing with one another in love, then we're going to be growing our peace, the bond, which is protecting and maintaining and guarding the unity of the Spirit. This is how we do it. Humility, patience, bearing with one another in love. And uh, what's humility? I heard someone say once, I thought it was good, humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. See, pride is just me-focused. And that can manifest, that manifests an ego or it can manifest insecurity, but both are just about me. Where humility is not about me. It's me being self, it's me thinking of others. I remember when I was in high school, I was catching the bus and there's this troubled girl and she was grumpy at me that day for some reason. And she said, you're just an egotistical little punk. And I looked at her and I said, no, I'm not. I'm one of the nicest people in our school. And then she said, exactly, egotistical. <laughs> and just, we, 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 drift, we drift to thinking of ourselves so much, don't we? If we had more time, I could unpack how humility, it's a value in our day, in our culture. And it, like a, when a basketball player is interviewed, like when the Raptors won, if you followed that, wasn't that amazing? And thinking, thinking, you know, that, that's a good, that's a great example of a, a nation uniting. It's just a shallow foundation, right? It's like it's gone now. <laughs> um, but when, <laughs> yeah, anyways, um, but when you interview, when we, they interview basketball players and they say, man, you just did awesome. You got so many so points. You just, how did you do it? What do they say? They say, well, you know, great teamwork. We all worked together. All the guys did their part. Good coaching staff. What are they doing? They're displaying what, the, what we expect and value in our culture, a level of humility. Yeah. If a basketball player is like, yeah, I did. I am the best on the team. We probably lost without me. The coaches are lucky to have me. I have uh, superior skill to the other teammates, and I showed it by dominating t- today. And really, I should probably get a raise, and I really deserve all those shoe deals because I'm awesome. <laughs> we, we would be a little bit off-put, right? You know what, though? Before Jesus, that was normal. If you read autobiographies from the, from the, from the early centuries, pre-Jesus, that's what people did. You chose to honor yourself. And you, you lifted yourself up, exaltation. And you, say, I'm, you, you would seek honor and awesomeness, and people would then go, oh, they do deserve honor. They must, I'll give them honor. They deserve it. And then Jesus comes, and he's the greatest who deserves exaltation. But what does he do? He lowers himself humbly. See, humiliation is to be pushed low, exaltation is to be lifted high, but humility is to choose, is to be high and choose to get low. And so we need to grow humility if we're going to be united. How do we grow humility and do this together? We have to choose to get low, choose to get low, choose to give away power. See, because the idol of power in our hearts is going to attack humility. And so I have to dethrone the idol of power that's in my heart, my desire for power, and I have to choose humility. And humility is going to help us grow peace and the unity of the Spirit. And then Paul says, be patient. 
patient. Is any, is, who here is super uh, patient? No one answers. It's kind of like asking, who here is super humble? <laughs> right? We don't, we don't do that. But, you know, uh, <clears throat> patience, different languages use some idioms related to patience, like patience is like a heart that, does, that chooses not to jump. Patience is like a waiting heart. It's a waiting heart. Patience is an open-handedness rooted in faith and trust. I'm waiting. I'm patient. You know what patience really boils down to, I think, in some ways? Relinquishing control. But you know what? Control is a deep desire in our hearts. It's an idol in our hearts. We want to be in control. Do you ever pull up to a light that's got two lanes? One of them is, uh, goes straight or turns right, and one of them goes straight or turns left, and it's a red light. And so you want to turn right, and so you pull up into the right lane so you can turn right on the red light, but someone pulls in front of you, and they stop, but they're not turning right. And you're sitting there behind them, and it's a long light, and you're thinking, why in the world are you in the right lane? You should have stayed in the left lane just to go straight. I want to turn right at the red light, but you're blocking me. These, and then you start thinking, can anyone relate to this? And then you're thinking, you're thinking like the, the time is passing, you're seeing all the cars driving, you're thinking, I would have been three blocks up the road, my life would be different right now if this person just chose to be in the left lane. Why? And you're like, this is me. These conversations, what's going on? I'm a control freak, right? I'm like, I just want to pick up your car and move it because I want control. Because I'm really impatient. Like, I go to the grocery store, and I become like Sherlock Holmes, analyzing data in my mind. There's three checkouts. That one's got two, three, one. That person's got a bagger. They're going faster. There's self-checkout. Self-checkout, one of them's got an error. That person's over there. Two lines there. I think, okay, big basket. That's a small basket. I'm going this line. <laughs> right? And then I'm in that line. But what happens? I look over, check the other lines. And then something, something happens at my line. Oh, my gosh. I could have been that guy over there, out of the store. Man, are we impatient. You know why, though? If we're going to keep peace, the bond of peace, so that we can maintain and keep unity, the spirit, in this church and in this city, it's going to require deep patience. It's going to require relinquishing and dethroning control going, God, I trust your sovereignty. I trust the work of your spirit in that person's life. And I'm going to choose to be patient and love them and be gracious with your timing, with what you want to do in them. Because I am not in control. You are. And so I'm with them. And I'm going to keep my heart close to what you're doing in their life and the life of this church. Patience. Finally, bearing with one another in love. We're going we're gonna to maintain unity. We need to bear with one another in love. You know what one translation says? Put up with one another in love. We can put up with one another without love. Have you seen that? Like, okay, I'm going to put up with this person. Like, I'm going to say hi and smile at them. But th- there's a lack of love. Has, have you been hurt by people? And the next time you get with a group of people, you just think, my heart is just going to be a little bit farther back, a little bit of distance. People offended you, they let you down, stabbed you in the back, you've been misunderstood. It's taken so long for people to recognize your gifts, 
or what God's doing in you. You just, you just where's your place? Man, we need patience. And then we need to bear with one another in love. That I'm not just bearing with you, but I'm choosing to love. And you know why we can do that? Because Jesus has, has Jesus bears us in love. And is Jesus patient with us? Man, is he patient with me. So patient with me. And was Jesus humble? So humbled. The highest who became the lowest. So that me who was the lowest, he could lift to be the highest with him. Wow, Jesus. And mistake after mistake, day after day, apathy and selfishness and control freakishness, he is patient with me. And he bears with me in love. He continues to do it through the work of his spirit. And he did it on the day when he was bearing his cross with you and I in mind, in love. He bears us all the way, not halfway, all the way. He bears with us in love. As the nails went through his hands, as the crowd mocks, what is he doing? He's bearing with you and I in love. He bears with us, not with a smile on his face and his heart a mile back, but his heart right there with us because he loves. And now, because of him and his love, because of his humility, because of what he has done, we have peace with God, and now we get to have peace with each other, the unity of the Spirit. Because if we can live like a family of one, it points to the saving Son. Then that's what we need to do, church. And we need each other. Jesus wants to do something in our city. And he's laid the foundation. And the spirit enables the unity. But we get to maintain it. And uh, i just been chatting with Pastor Greg and Jonathan a little bit of going, how could we grow some unity in our city? Man, could imagine, imagine if we could have a local church that's united. One heart. But then imagine if you could have local churches of one heart. Imagine if we could have disciples making disciples, not just in one place with one church, but if we could actually sort of map that out and talk about that. What about every neighborhood? Could you map it out? What about every college campus, every university, every high? If we could sort of figure out how does the church come together in unity so that we can point to Jesus together? That is not just our little tribes or kingdoms or identities, but it's us coming together. A, f- a bigger family of one. That's what I want to be a part of. You know why? That, that's why we moved here to start our church, City Lights. So that we would see Jesus. Could Jesus, could Jesus do something in our day? In our day, in your family, in your workplace, in our city. Would he do it? Would he pour out his blessing and his power? He wants to. And our unity matters. Our unity matters. It matters that we keep and maintain the unity so that we can point to Jesus together. And as we do it, it's good and it's pleasant, and it's going to lead us to joy. Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you that we're all in this room at this moment that you brought us here so you could speak to us. 
so that you by your spirit could inspire us, so you give us faith and hope and vision for what you want to do. And many of us here, we've been saved, Jesus. You've saved us and you've, res- you've rescued us. Thank you. We praise you. And we ask for more of your spirit, and we want to partner with the work of your spirit. We want to eagerly maintain the unity of your spirit, Jesus. Empower us. Help us. Help us to be humble. Help us to be patient. Help us to bear with one another in love, to dethrone power and control and the idols of comfort, and to place you, to glorify you, to lift you up. Jesus, you're worthy. Amen.